0: You're listening to episode 10 of Fed Talks with Jimmy Chrisman. That Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Thank you so much for listening. I know you all are winding down your school years, and uh, my guest this week is no different. Um, so I want to make sure um, you know how to get in touch with me if you want to uh, give me any feedback, if you would like to make suggestions for topics for the show, or if you'd like to uh, be considered to be a, a guest on next season's uh, next season's episodes, please reach out to me at uh, fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always find our archives and our uh, show transcripts, as well as the resource list from all of our teachers that have been on the episodes on www.thedtalks.com. Now it's time to give our attention to our guest this week. I want to welcome Marissa Brady to Thed Talks this week. Um, she reached out to me uh, from, I guess you heard me on a podcast, and you uh, sent me an email and said, Hey, I'd love to talk with you about things that I know. So, I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you. I know she is at Apprende Middle School in Chandler, Arizona. She just finished her sixth year there, but her 13th year overall. So kind of fill us in, Marissa, on about your school and what, what you're doing there and a little bit about your program.
1: Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored and glad to chat with you. Um, so, yeah, I work in... Um, Chandler, which is about 20 minutes south of Phoenix. And um, Apprendi Middle School is a sixth through eighth grade school. And I am fortunate to be full-time teaching theater here. And then I created and run our after-school drama program called The Jaguar Players. And we do f- two full productions a year. We do a play in the fall and then a musical in the spring. And that's the long and short of it.
0: Good deals. What, what, was, your, uh, what was your big show this year?
1: Uh, we did once upon a mattress was our musical, oh. which was really great. The kids loved it. You know, anything, anytime you give them traditional musical theater, they are like, this is awful. And then by the end, they're like, this is my favorite. So <laughs> it was really, really great. And then in the fall we did, I hate Shakespeare because I wanted to introduce Shakespeare to middle schoolers. And this was a really silly funny way to introduce it and the story without the language of it. So they really enjoyed that as well.
0: Wonderful. Well, um, I know you also taught um, elementary drama before that as well, correct?
1: Um, I taught uh, elementary for seven years. I did uh, fourth and fifth grade. And um, I was just a a gen ed teacher. I taught everything. But while I was in uh, teaching fifth grade, I was working on my master's um, in secondary at theater. So I was like guinea pigging my students with all of the things. I was like, how can I incorporate this? And informally doing arts integration, not like the, the true arts integration way, I just would bring it to life as i would tell my students and i through one of my my practicums i had to i, I was supposed to be in an mfa program but couldn't do it because i was full teaching full time so i was like running tangent like parallel to the mfa students i worked with them um and but could do after-school stuff and weekends. And as part of my practicum, I uh, decided to to start a drama club because, you know, what else would a full-time teacher working on a master's degree do, you know? (laughs) Except start a whole program. So I did it with fourth and fifth graders and had all these wonderful grand ideas. And it was, going we were going to do two productions and they had to be in the cast and the crew and the kids were going to do everything. And my principal at the time was like, your kids are going to do everything? How is, you know, wasn't really super excited about it, but I convinced him and we did it and it was awesome. I did an abridged, you're a good man, Charlie Brown, and they just loved it. I kind of just pulled monologues and some of the songs and it was great. We It was very beg, borrow and seal and let's use the carpeted stairs of the stage that we have. And, you know, not great. So I did that there. And then it was this huge success and everyone was like, you have to continue doing it. So I continued doing it there and things happened at the school where I had to leave and they were like the new school. They're like, are you going to do a drama club here? I was like, I (laughs) I don't know. And I didn't because the position at my current school, which is the feeder middle school to the two elementary schools I was at. at, uh, My mentor teacher had moved to middle school and he was like, the drama teacher is leaving. There's an open position. And I was like, what do, it's not even posted yet. What do I do? So I got here and um, I, I interviewed with, See with DVDs of the productions that I put on. I was like, This is what I've done before because my school had a drama class. They had no drama program, they had never done any kind of main stage before. And I was like, I'm gonna do it. I did it once. It can't be that much harder. That was not intelligent, but it's great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so what I found to answer your question 45 minutes ago, I apologize, was at the Elementary was really, really great foundation and a great way to kind of figure out drama because it's truly drama with with the younger kids, whereas my class is theater, and I know you know there's a distinction between the two, but having that experience with the younger kids and doing dramatic play and process drama type things in social studies or math or whatever subject I was doing gave me a really good foundation for then- focusing on theater at the middle school
0: well i i want want to talk to you a little bit about how um when you went for your master's how that um how that impacted your teaching and i when i did when i did my master's i i did a med in theater education at unc greensboro and Mm -hmm. we were able to almost kind of tailor our program to Kind of what we wanted to study, so I really focused my work on um, the technical theater stuff that I didn't feel I was very strong in from my undergrad. Smart,
1: that's Um, real smart. We should have done that.
0: And then it, um, and then it, for me, it it really kind of solidified my love for and kind of stepped up what I was doing already with my kids. So, talk to me about how how working on your master's impacted your work in your classroom.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm notoriously stubborn. Like I set my mind to something and then I'm going to be like, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And it's not always great, but you know, so I, um, we, I am about twenty minutes, 30 minutes from Arizona state university and they have a very well-known MFA theater for youth program. And in my undergrad, my undergrads in elementary ed, I minored in theater. So I kind of like took some of those classes and because I grew up doing theater. I started performing at 10 and, you know, was a theater dork throughout high school and knew I wanted to be a teacher so that hobby would just become a hobby. And then I was going to go back for my master's early on. I I actually did it when I was in my third year teaching, which again, was not very smart, just uh, naive, you know? And I wanted, I really, really wanted to walk away with the ability to teach theater, so I was like, I, I, I want to do the, the MFA program, but it was full time and I couldn't afford to not work and do it. So I kind of forged my own path. And they were like, the only way you can do this is if you have two advisors, you're in both the College of Ed and the theater, the art school, and you're going to have to do two thesis or two final projects. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't care. So I managed to take all of the MFA classes and... Then I also had to take all my ed classes. But because I was already certified, I didn't have to go through certification route. So they didn't have to do student teaching. I didn't have to do that. But I was still taking all of the master's level ed classes, reading articles and analyzing the state of education in our nation, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, it was great because that side of it was teachers who had students. So we would talk about it and then go try with our students. The theater part didn't. So I took it upon myself to go like, okay, so total physical response. That's a really cool um, idea when you're incorporating things. And that's theater. That's like, we're going to create a pantomime. or We're going to create some motion that is going to personify a word or personify an idea. That's theater, like, as as I know it to be. So I was really able to take a lot of those ideas. Um, I got to work with like four-year-olds all the way through high schoolers during that as well. And that really gives you, makes you become an area at classroom management, I'll say, because of, you know, how you give directions or the content that you can do. A lot of the MFA stuff was very theoretical in your perfect world situation when you have your theater and we're going to The social change that's going to happen, which is awesome, and I'm great. I'm grateful I took those classes. The reality of implementing that wasn't so much. So I was just—I tried to navigate and go like, what is the important message that I can implement to the younger kids? Because you know they're not going to be on the street and break into a theatrical piece and on the playground. That wasn't going to happen. But yeah.
0: Well, tell me a little bit more about. Uh, your your students kind of running everything and, and the, the agency and ownership that you give them uh, with what you do with your kids?
1: I seriously, contr- that's the biggest thing to our success because I'm a big believer on setting the bar high because when you set it high, they will meet it. And when even it was fourth graders running a sound booth and not a, a complicated sound board, just, you know, like turn on the microphone, turn it off. Uh, there was just, it's, it's there's so much... Me- so much ownership. We had stage managers as fourth and fifth graders and they were in charge backstage during the runs and we would put cameras backstage to see what they were doing during a set change behind the curtain and then go through and be like, well, you know, and have them do it. Um, Here at the middle school, it is the backbone. I don't honestly think we could do the productions without having the kids run it. I am so unbelievably, unbelievably lucky. I have three other teachers on staff who help. One is our technical director. One does... Costumes, hair, makeup. Um, She kind of trains our stagehands, helps with all of the the scheduling type things, and then uh, a friend of mine who uh, we actually ran the program when we were both in elementary school. Uh, She's taken over the prop department, and they we hire managers and hire pick managers. We don't pay them, and they truly run it all. They a lot of times they're usually seventh or eighth graders, and they take it very seriously. We have we had the best sound and light department, this musical where we had a manager and assistant manager and the manager was eighth grade and the assistant was six. And that those eighth graders, they were like, I am not going to be here next year. You need to know how to do this. Let me, what's the next cue. Do you know what it is? Don't look at your script. You should know. I was like, whoa. All right guys. They were, they were like living it. And I was so proud of them. They did an amazing job. Like we, and our stage manager was calling cues. We didn't have to, worry about that at all it, it the ownership piece is so important because it's your buy-in it makes the show better it makes me better as a director because they don't settle for me you know just not giving it my all it's just it's so important and they just care they care about it that's why it's so important
0: well I found with with my students because I I was the same way I and I would I would tell them every year the first drama club meeting this is your program this right. is this is not my program. I'm just I'm here to guide you, yeah. um, and I'm not going to work harder than you. That <laughs> I would tell them, <laughs> and and it, but it, it worked, and and like yeah. they do take pride in it, they do take ownership of it. And what would you tell teachers who 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 are a little bit like me, who have a hard time letting go and letting their kids do that? What what yeah. do you say to them who say, but what if something goes wrong?
1: Right. I'm not that person. It makes it a lot easier. I have other theater teachers in our district who are like, I can't let anything go. I want to do this. And I'm like, please, everybody, come do it on your own for me. The biggest thing is to remember the fact, and this took me a while to set in my brain, that it is educational theater. And I grew up doing community theater, doing theater in school, and that was the art of it. And then I was an educator. And until I put the two together and went, okay... The biggest way they're going to learn is if they try it and fail. And the biggest way they're going to come up with a problem is if they figure it out. And my sixth graders have a really big, in my class, my sixth graders have a huge problem transitioning with that because we do full productions at the end of our semesters and they do everything. And they will come to me and they're like, it's not working. And I respond with, yeah, I see that. They're like, what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. What are you going to do? And they're like, you don't know? I'm like, no, I know but you don't know. What are you going to do? And they just freak out. So I always have to have a conversation with them. Like, I'm like, guys, I know you usually go to your teacher and you ask a question and they give you an answer and they're going to solve the problem. I'm like, that's not this. This is problem solving. You've got to figure it out. I'm not going to tell you if I know it's not going to work, I'm going to let you fail. And they're like, what, what? You're the worst. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going to let you embarrass yourself. I'm not going to let you embarrass our school, but how are you going to, to fix a problem because you know, kids nowadays with like instant gratification, I'm like, how do you solve it? And you know, they talk about 21st century skills. Like there you go. That's it.
0: Well, I, I always loved when like, uh, like a cue was called late or a light didn't come up when it was supposed to, or they were two light cues behind or the sound (laughs) cue was a, a a few seconds later than it should have been. and, And, and like, my assistant directors or, or, or other, or parents would even come up. It's like, Hmm, wonder how you're going to fix that. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. They'll fix it tomorrow. <laughs> they, they learn their lesson tonight. It's, that's part of the process. And and I think, totally. I think that's something that we've heard over pretty much all the episodes that I've, I've had with my podcast is that it's really, you got to focus on the process and yes. the end product is important and it's well and good, but what are they getting out of the journey to get there?
1: Exactly. And that was, that was like the whole thing of our masters. And I remember being like, Oh, that's so artsy-fartsy. What does that even mean? You know, when you're in college and you're like, I know more than the people in the field. <laughs> no, you don't. They aren't experts for a reason. So any college student listening, like, they, we know what we're talking about, all right? No, I'm kidding. Um, but it, it's it's true. And the, my favorite moments are when they miss the sound cue and look over to me and they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, you'll fix it. I know. Or like they don't get the note that it was wrong. I'm like, you didn't give me the note that it was wrong. I'm like, you already know it's wrong. You're going to fix it. Like, great. That's why we rehearse.
0: (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about um, your, your work with the middle schoolers and something that when you emailed me, um, that was almost identical to what um, Brian Daniel, who's my guest on the This week's episode uh, Mm I talked about was the the underappreciation and underrepresentation of the work with the middle schoolers and what you're wanting to do to really legitimize that.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that. I'm like, this is me on my soapbox, so buckle up. Here we go. go. Here we go. (laughs) No, I, it is. It's so, I. Uh, My district is awesome, and we have full-time theater teachers at almost every single one of our middle schools, and it's rare. It's very, very rare. Um, And I, in my brain, was like, I'm going to do middle school for a couple years so I can get my secondary ed cert and move to high school you could not pay me enough money to move to high school at this point. Like shout out to those amazing high school teachers who spent, it's so much harder. Your programs are so much more complicated. I can't even imagine it. So um,
0: just so you know, those of us in high school, we're thinking the same thing about you in middle school.
1: Lovely. It's great. See, we're (laughs) we're raising each other up, Um, but it's so important. I didn't, I, I had productions in my middle school, but not a class. And middle school theater is very much especially to our core teachers like they're just playing games and playing and having fun and um i've worked so hard to get my class to be called theater and not drama and now i'm on the mission to get it spelled uh, r e and not e r because no it's not you know the the british way of saying it and like the kids my students are very like proud that they know the difference and like we're studying the art of it and all of that ideas i just think that it's so 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 beneficial to kids that are stuck in the middle of middle school. And we just finished our, the school year and I, the best gifts and had me in tears was the notes that I got from students that um, one that was just like, your class was the the light, the, the ray of sunshine in the crappier that I had at home. And I'm just like, want see this But it's so like, it's such an awkward, awful age. And I tell my students that I'm like, guys, this is the worst. You're in the worst years of your life and they're trying to figure out who they are and they're trying to figure out everything around them. And what better way to do that is to find, as I call the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, we're not, they're not like, the clicks start happening and they're not in them. And I'm like, wait, we're strange and like to dress up and play. Come play with us. And it's just a lot of acceptance and seeing things from other people's point of view. When I do character analysis, it's like, what is your character thinking? And then what does that mean in, as a person? Like looking at somebody else's point of view of other things. But it's just very underappreciated because it's just an elective and it doesn't really matter. But it's been so many of my students' lifelines to get through middle school. And we had some really real life issues happen with some of our kids this year uh, at home life or just going through bouts of anxiety, depression. Uh, we had a kid on suicide watch this year and the entire cast and crew just hugged and embraced all of those problems. And they literally have like a family tree. They're like, oh, he's my mom. And they had stopped me as my, I'm like, "Oh, okay, great. But it was just this like, they felt safe they felt like they belonged and it's so hard when you are 12 and 13 and 14 and there's nothing there for those kids typically in the middle school so I just hope districts appreciate it and see that it's not just playing games and being silly and wearing costumes but like it really you know helps kids have a self, of sense, self sense of self um, to get them through it.
0: Well, how did you, how do you create that space where they feel that safety and, and that, that feeling of ensemble with each other?
1: I don't know. I wish I knew, I don't know. And I'm, I'm like, I, I really try to figure out like, what's the, the secret recipe. I, I think the biggest thing is respect, to be honest. Like I have, I, demand, finger quotes, demand their respect, but it's a mutual respect. I think the fact that I let them do things and like one of my classroom rules is take risks. And I'm like, this is the only class in the entire school that your rule is to take a risk. Most teachers want you to not take the risk and just follow what they're doing. I think because of that, I think because I am, I We are, I have a performance space room where we can run around and play and they're crawling on the floor and I'm like, you'll be an animal at some point. You'll jump on a chair at another point. I think the nature of that is just kind of community forming. In my class, we do a whole lot of community building type things like we do, um, like warm up games that are usually tied into the unit that we're studying, but they don't realize that. Uh, With our after school club, it's, there's just, I think everybody really cares about putting on a good show. I think that's what's super important. Uh, the biggest insult I give during notes is I'm like, "All right, guys, it's like it's like a good ha- middle school show right now," and they're like, oh, "What? We will not just be a good. We we will be better than middle school." Like their like marker of where they can be. But I think it's just respect. I think it's giving them ownership. I think it's listening to them and realizing. I think me acknowledging like your life sucks right now. Because adults at this age are like, it, you don't even know what it is. It's not. It's going to get worse. But all they want to hear is like, "Yup, this sucks, and I got to get through it." I think just humanizing, like I make mistakes. I think that's important to show kids. But I don't. I wish I had like the special recipe. I don't know.
0: I appreciate what you do at the middle school level very much. Thank um, you. I, I most of my career, my whole career has been in the high school until just recently when I came to the university. Um, I, I, for the last 10 years, I worked at a middle school gifted and talented arts program in the summer uh, mm. that our, our district and surrounding districts put together. And I love those three weeks.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: I love that time with those middle school kids. And, yeah. Um,
1: they're so weird. They're so wonderfully weird.
0: They're weird and, and they're going everything and awkward. Um, <laughs> But they're they're so hungry and they have such an energy and and it it wore it wore me out by the end of the three weeks I was I was ready for the summer vacation for sure. But um it, it was great and, yeah. and I appreciate what you do um because I know at the high school level I I was dependent on the work that my middle school feeders did. Mm-hmm. Um and I could tell when I had kids come through, I could tell which program they were from. <laughs> sure. I, I, I knew I knew this group, they they are really strong in musical theater because they're that's what their school did. This school, yeah. they really focused on 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 one acts and drama. So when they're here, I, they're who I'm going to lean to with my my meteor acting pieces. Um, sure. but, but so thank you.
1: Yeah, no, and I love I love the high school. I love the high school, like I said. Um, and I, I we go like our team goes to a lot of the high school shows, and we like open up the playbook. we're like, oh, that one was ours. Oh, that's our kid. Oh, we're so happy they're still doing it. And like, we had a big uh, the graduating class that just graduated last night was what we consider like our first generation. They were seventh graders when I came in and started the program, and they're just like I'm still doing it. A bunch of them are going to study theater at different schools or film, and I was like, guys. I, can't. I just wanted you to be silly and have fun, but it's awesome.
0: Well, and they remember you because yeah. uh, my kids, that's, they talked about, Oh, miss Jan this, miss you that <laughs> this. And like, she is fantastic. So yeah. thank you for what you do. I, you're like you said, you said that your district um, pretty much all your middle schools have a, a theater t- a theater program. Yes. Um, and you, in your email that you sent to me, you said that you all have a really strong um, PLC with each other. Yeah. I
1: have
0: had the worst experience with PLCs. Oh no. I, I know what they are. those professional learning communities. So please tell me about yours. And I want to hear about one that works and what's good.
1: Sure. Um, so I like coming from elementary, it's all about team planning. Like every, when I was on fifth grade, our fifth grade team, I planned so much. We would switch students. It was a very, it was a very team aspect. And then I got over to middle school and I was the only theater teacher at the school and felt real lonely and was like, all right, I got to create a curriculum and finish all of that. Um, But our district, you know how districts like to catch on to something new and they're like, we're going to do that. Hardcore. So PLCs in my district have been really big the past couple years. And uh, we have once a month, about once a month, like an entire day to do a PLC with the other theater teachers. And thankfully, the other theater teachers in my district um, are awesome and friends. And we are texting funny means and encouraging each other and doing great things there, which is great and very, very collaborative. So what we've done um, most of the time is just like the beginning is like a catch up. And then how did this production go? and all that kind of stuff. Um, We only have two sound systems in the school district that we share and they travel. So they're in real great condition because sound systems are built to travel to different. And now they're awful. So there's a lot of coordination between there. And what we've done is each time had somebody share a unit that they do, because we're not working, we don't have um, a curriculum map or any district aside from the state standards we go off of, which is based on the national standards, we don't have anything specific, you know, like math follows that way. So we kind of early on a couple of years ago went, all right, we have a nine week semester class, no, nine, no, 18 week semester class. We should cover nine units, but then how we do each unit is really different. And with all theater teachers, you go with what your strength is, you know, like uh, one of ours in her uh, I think her undergrad just loved theater history and communities Del Arte, and she had this. She has this beautiful unit with, they make masks and it's awesome, and I'm like, that's beautiful and wonderful. I don't know if I could do that, but at least I can take this resource that she uses or this idea um, and kind of incorporate it through my theater history unit. So we each share, each week, whoever kind of hosts it kind of, not I'm sorry, each month, we'll share a unit and the resources and things that have worked. And, um, that's been really, really nice and helpful because not only are you getting awesome resources, but it makes you think like, how do I, how do I do what I do? And like, how would I explain that to another teacher? Kind of like having a student teacher. Um, like what is, it makes you think about your teaching and what you are doing. And then we sometimes like, all right, I'm going to treat you like my students and we're going to go through here and do it that way. So it's a really good, and it's unfortunately the only professional development that we get because PD and theater, if you're not going to the conferences or anything along those lines um, or listening to your podcast, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's, you, you have to seek it out and it's kind of hard. So that's been really, really great. We don't do, our district wants us to do like take an assessment, review the assessment, figure out where the weakness was and reteach, which is very, very P-L-C-E. But we were like, okay, stage direction. What are we going to paper and pencil our our kids on? And then the other problem was, all right, well, we'll do this. We'll do improv. Okay, everyone do improv. We'll have a, a same rubric that we're looking for these specific skills. But by the time we would get back a month or two later, we're no longer in our improv unit. So we just, you know, square peg into the round hole. We don't fit into a lot of that. So that's why us as a PLC went, all right, how are we going to actually benefit from this time? Um, or it's a lot of just like questions. Like um, I started a, a booster club. So one of the other ones was like, how did you do that? Like, what are the steps that you're doing? Or like, we have this great fundraiser. What are you doing? How do you know, navigate that type it's just, it's, it's good to talk to people who are in the same boat.
0: Yeah. Uh, it sounds like your district though is, uh, is giving you the time to be able to do that too.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: With, with my experience with it is we we had these delayed start days once a month, oh. where we had you know the kids would come in two hours late, but that two hours we still came in the regular time and and we would meet with our departments. Mm-hmm. And, and the English department had their PLC, the math department had theirs. I'm the theater department, <laughs> right? So, so and I would get in I would one. get in trouble by my administration for being in my room alone. I'm like. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to do? And yeah. I, said, I said, I would love to go across town and to meet with my other two high school theater yeah. teachers. And they're like, Oh, but we don't have time for that. I'm like, what, <laughs> what, do, you, what do you want me to do?
1: <laughs> right. Well, we have our performing arts PLC. I mean, we, as a performing arts team on my site, um, take our students to California and we do the Disneyland performing arts and see a, a musical in downtown, um, LA so we will like just logistical PLC times but when it's like site PLC we're like all right guys you want to go to lunch like what do you I don't like <laughs> cool but yeah no, they, they they did because our core teachers had two prep periods this year we only had one so one of their prep periods was PLC so then we would have days where we didn't have students and we would just meet as a and as a district PLC instead.
0: I, through digging through your, your class website, I, I saw that you have an amazing parent booster group.
1: Oh my gosh. They're the best.
0: Talk to me about working with parents and, and, and forming the booster club.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So our, like most districts, they have very strict policies when it comes to money and who can touch it and how you spend it and the POs and all of the things. And when I was in the elementary school, I went through that system and it drove me crazy. So when I got to the high school, I was like, "There's got to, we've got to be able to do a booster club." So um, uh, my biggest resource was my father, who's an attorney, and I was like, "Okay, what do I need to do?" And he also was uh, on a um, board of trustees for a theater company growing up, so he like knows the inner workings and performs. We're all big one theater family; it's adorable. Anyway, so he was like, "Okay, you've got to incorporate." I'm like, "What? This sounds..." Uh, He's like, no, you have to become a company, and then if you file for non for profit status, then you—that's where you want to be. You'll be able to fundraise. You'll be able to spend how you want to spend. I was like, all right. So it's a very long process. It is—we incorporated, which was easy, and then it took—we had to apply to the IRS. So what happened was, like, I I just am not afraid to ask people for help, and if they say no, then they say no. But I, everyone's like, how did you do? I'm like, I literally just asked. So I was at first one of the meetings, a parent meeting. And I went, we're going to form a booster club. If anybody is interested or any has knowledge. And one parent, she loves to tell us that I had a sheet and was like, are you interested in boosters? And she wrote, no. Well, she turned out to be the president of our booster club for three years, and she's like, "Remember that time I wrote no?" I was like, "I don't remember that. I always remember you agreeing to this." Um, and she, she because we had build nights, uh, our tech director would just like parents and kids come and build because we can't build with students because it's against district policy to let them use any tools because we're an elementary district. So she was there, and we would just talk, and she's like, "Oh, I you know I do stuff with Habitat for Humanity," and we're like, "Great." And then I was like, hey, so you know how you're helping? I just, if you could just like sign this paper to say you're the president, like it doesn't really mean anything. I just need (laughs) some parents to sign it. She's like, all right, if it doesn't mean anything. But no, she took it seriously. And then because I knew so many of the families from the elementary schools, because I worked at the theater schools, I had a parent who used to volunteer when I taught her daughter in fourth grade. And I was like, I know you used to be an accountant. Like, can you be our unofficial treasurer and just help us with this? And she knew paperwork stuff. So they signed on and for the first pretty much two years, it was like the three of us trying to figure out what we were doing. Um, but getting that status, the 501c3 not-for-profit status is huge because then you can take donations. Then you can ask people to give you things and then you can give them your tax ID number and they can write it off. And it opened the doors for us to get like a bank account and a debit card so that when we buy stuff on Amazon, we have our card there and all of that's there it's two years ago we had this huge boom of parents who were I think we kind of (laughs) justified ourselves to the community and they wanted to help and we had the website that you saw those were just two parents who were engineers and they're like we're gonna do it with our, our tech director who's a tech guy too and they just put all of that together and I was like it'd be great if they could buy tickets online now we're selling our tickets online. It would be so great if we had the infirm- if we had a green room area where we could put a Google calendar for our kids so that they know what our rehearsal schedule is. That's up there. It would be so great if we could do like a password protected area so we could put rehearsal videos. Cause you know, like for rights purposes you can't put it out. But if it's password protected, we're filming the choreography and then they can go back and practice it on their own. And just all of these, like, wouldn't it be great? And they kind of put it all together. So now we have committees and chairs and elections, and it's like official um and parents get really scared because we're like call to order we need the minutes and we're like nah it's fine we're we're just talking about these different things but yeah I, I, biggest advice just ask the worst they can say is no uh
0: yes that's my experience too yeah uh, we, i we had a booster club and, and thankfully my principal um at my at the school i left um he he pulled together the drama boosters the choral boosters and then the academic boosters and he said oh okay I, I will pay for getting your nonprofit status. Yeah, I will help you organize that. I will, you all just have to take care of paying the, the, um, a third of the, um, accountant's fees each year.
1: Yeah.
0: Nice. And then then it was my job to maintain the parents and and keep that board going. And, and and is it, you just have to ask, (laughs) you you just have to ask them
1: ask and recruit because when we have years with eighth grade parents I'm like find a sixth grade parent buddy and start talking to them about what you do um and it's really great too because our shows you know I don't have a I don't have a theater I would love one I have a a cafetorium, a multi purpose room. And we put so much in like our quote lobby. It's just the entrance between the gym and, and the NPR. And we just, they, they sell so many things and come up with these great ideas. They're like, how do you do that? I'm like, we, they, the parents brainstorm this, like we do popcorn, but now we do souvenir cups with our, we create the logo for our show. And then it's, you know, free refills. And we do uh, break a leg, Posters that has the kid's face on it. You can buy a little shout out and post it on that. You know, just like ways to get money. We do raffles. We get donations from local businesses, and so much of that was their ideas. Like, they're, they're you know, they're just so creative and smart. Just all right, let's let's try it.
0: You you also do student travel. Yes. Um, and that was one of m- one of my favorite parts of, of my programs that, that I had. Um, and student travel was so important for, for my kids and, and the continued growth of my program. Oh yeah. Um, talk to me about what, cause I know you, do, you do New York uh-huh. every other year. Um, yeah. so talk to me a little bit about the experience with that and then how that impacts your program
1: um so yeah we do a new york trip um every other year and we only allow seventh and eighth graders to go because sixth graders would be a little bit much uh also it gives them something to look forward to because the sixth graders when it's they go they're like oh when we're in eighth grade we'll get to go and we went last year so we're in between years right now and um, i actually just work with a, a tour company i know some people have different opinions about that. Um, But I just use EF tour, EF America. And the first year we went, I was unable to go because I was eight months pregnant at the time that we were going to fly. And I asked my doctor if I could fly and he wouldn't let me. So (laughs) my teammates went instead. And then this past year was, I actually, I was pregnant again, which was funny, but I was not Super pregnant, I was able to go, which was nice. But we, they, we do a lot of build up to it. So actually, we have kids enrolled right now for our 2020 trip. They've already started, and then they're talking about ways to fundraise. I usually get a parent to kind of head up that committee and um, help with fundraising ideas. Because some parents, some years, parents are like, "Yeah, let's do all of the fundraisers," and others are like, "No, we're good." I'm like, "Oh, that must be nice." But we, when we go with the kids, it's seriously. First of all, so I'm a little bit jaded. Because I grew up in New Jersey, I grew up an hour outside of New York, so I would go into the city like every weekend. But to see them see New York for the first time is the most amazing thing ever, um, especially theater kids because they geek out at the stuff that I geek out. They're like, "Oh, there's a Statue of Liberty. That's cool," but they're like. <gasps> Hamilton's grave. Are we going to go see where Hamilton was buried? I said, Yes, we are. Like, that's of course what they they care about. Um, The other thing that's the the most amazing thing uh, is seeing the Broadway shows, but stage touring, because the concept of the fact that you can wait after and then meet them, because these are celebrities in their brains. And they just sat and chatted with them and took selfies and signed autographs and answered their questions. And one parent was like, Are they just going to go home now? I'm like, yeah, their job's over. They're just like, they're just going to walk down the street. I'm like, this is New York. They're not really famous. It's fine. Um, but they just, you know, it's celebrities and it was amazing. And the fact that the Broadway theater houses are so much smaller than, uh, we have a great touring facility here and it's huge, but they're like, this is this is a lot smaller than I thought it was. But all of those things, it's just really great to see them. We There's always some kind of issue with, drama and rooming situations that is bound to happen with middle schoolers, but they step up so much. Um, and we get to have these different workshops they get to do. And I'm always so proud of them because we bring tech kids, we bring actors and we make everybody do everything. So they get pushed and they'll do it. And they're always super, super respectful and very attentive. Um, a friend of mine is um, a casting director. He doesn't does mostly TV stuff now, but, um, he was gracious enough to like get a room for us. And he talked about the casting process and what he looks for in actors. And they were just asking all of these wonderful questions and really caring about it. Even if they didn't want to be follow in as this career path, it was just like, they were very much involved. It can be super scary, especially because we have to fly. And that can be like, there's a lot there, but it's definitely worth it because I cannot recreate anything like that in my classroom. And that's why when I originally thought of the idea, I was like, there's no other experience that they can have besides this. So again, I was like, could we do it? We're going to do it.
0: For me, it was the, when we, the excitement, when we came back. Oh, okay. Um, and I mean, I, I, again, seeing their faces, see it every yeah. for the first time and, and yeah. meeting the, the celebrities in, in their lives. I mean, that, <laughs> That's very cool. But when we got back and seeing their excitement for the craft and, and what we were doing and yeah. how they wanted to take what we were doing and elevate it.
1: Mm. See, so we go at the end of the year. We go Memorial Day weekend. So we go outside of the school year, so don't we, not, we don't have to go through the district. It's not technically associated with it. So our seventh graders who then become eighth graders are very much like that. Or they'll be like, remember that time in New York? Or like, well, we saw it on Broadway. I'm like, all right, guys but we don't get to see them immediately after because some of them go to high school. Well, they all go to high school.
0: Yeah. I, I had, um, I went, I went to New York a a couple months ago uh, for my honeymoon. And while I was there, um, one of my former students is, is is living up there and he's working as an, as an actor. And uh, we, we met for dinner and he said, I just, he said, do you even realize that you brought me here for the first time? And now uh-huh. I'm being here doing this, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> so yeah.
1: All of the tears, just yeah. right.
0: All of them, all of them.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's um, it's so they it, it, because New York is like the end all, be all, and we get to go to Lincoln Center and all of these other things. I'm like, I think a lot of it too is like I just geek out. I was like, oh my gosh, guys, did you know that on this stage? They're like, stop it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Well, I was, I went to uh, the, the UK for my honeymoon, and when we were in London, my husband was like. You're gonna get us kicked out of the globe. I'm like, just I just want to let you know that during this time period, he's like, stop it, let the two. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, I'll just sit quiet and geek out in my brain. Uh,
0: a couple of years ago, I took uh, I took a group of my IB students uh, for the IB workshop that yeah. was in New York, and um, one of the shows that I bought us tickets for was to see the real thing, and it had uh, Ewan McGregor in it at the time. Honest. And I, I adore Ewan McGregor. I just <laughs> want to be Ewan McGregor, and. uh, we, we stage doored and the kids like pushed me to the front cause they wanted to make sure I met him. And it was just, it was so funny to watch them watching me geek out about this. And and they just thought it was the coolest thing that I got to meet one of my
1: icons. That's awesome. Well, we also, so my, uh my, my department of performing arts, we go to California and that actually, um, I walked in to this trip that they'd done it for like 17 years and our band teacher like has it organized. So it's a well-oiled machine. So having that, I just went and having that experience, I was like, all right, let's take what we do for this to travel to New York. Uh, but the same thing happens when we go, cause we do, we go to one of the national tours at the Pantages and we had a parent, the first year we saw Aladdin and I had a parent who was like, I have never seen a play before. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like I've never seen anything like that. That was amazing. And I'm like, "What?" Well, now we have to do this every year. It's a great experience.
0: <laughs> I know you, you have your hands very full right now. Cause I know you just had your second baby. Um, I did. Yeah. In the fall. Um, yeah. So tell me how you, you balance your time between mom and work and, uh, um, how you take care of yourself.
1: Oh, uh, I don't do a good job at it. None mom guilt <laughs> is real. It's, uh, this is so, this is going to sound so cheesy. I just have like an amazing husband who lets me play and knows that I really care about this, um, and he's awesome like that, but it is, it's, it's definitely a different balance. My end time for rehearsals became hard end times, where other times it was just, that's fine, or I would have jumped to do things, and now it's kind of like, well... I don't necessarily know. Like I felt bad. We had our like eighth grade dance and they were and kids were like, are you coming to it? I was like, I can't, I already had two late nights this week. Like I can't, you know, do all of those things. But to uh, what I tell myself, I'm not the best person for this, but like, is that like, it's okay. It's okay that you may miss bath night one night, but it's okay to have to cancel rehearsal because we have to go to the doctor's appointment. You know, like there's a lot of just, being okay with the balance and it's hard when you I mean I started when I was doing my master's that was pre-kids that was pre-husband so I was there till eight nine o'clock at night and not need to worry about it but um again it's I think it's the support my teammates know one of my the my friend who does our props our kids are the same age too so she's like I gotta go pick up the kids I'm like oh I should probably go too now that's a good (laughs) job keeping in check um but they all know and are are very supportive of it my students love when I have to bring the girls to rehearsal. I have lots of babysitters if that happens. But I just like, I just have to keep telling myself thats it's okay. It's okay to leave early. It's okay to cancel. It's okay to be late because it has to be. Yeah.
0: What is, uh, what's one of your favorite, um, your favorite stories, funny story, horror story, most meaningful moment um, that you can, you can share with us?
1: Oh, there's so many. My, what my, okay, so I have like my classroom ones and my drama club. My classroom moments, I love, my students are either like the hardcore theater kids or the kids who they just like theater. It's their favorite elective to take. And there's a difference between them. And my favorite moments are when the the non-theater kids have a super theater kitty moment. And it was last year, I had a student who's in my advanced full year class. And she was very into like, punk rock or like early 90s rock grunge type music like that was she was really into that and she came up to me one day and was like have you seen Dear Evan Hansen and not because like they think I've seen every show ever and at that point I had not I was like no she said I've been listening to the soundtrack it's like really good I'm like that's awesome like what's your favorite song she's like I just really love Ben Plett's voice and in my head I'm like oh my gosh she knows the name of the actor who plays it that's crazy and I just, waving through a window was great. Oh, and then, but I, you know what? I just really love all of them. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, I'm super excited to see it. I hope you can see it when it comes through. Um, and in my brain, I was like, that was like a non-theater kid just geeking out about the OBC of Dear Evan Hansen. I was, that was like a yay moment. Um, that's great. My, my drama club, oh my gosh, there are so many. But again, another type theme, type thing that happened was we were doing Bye Bye Birdie. And... I had a student he in eighth grade and he was kind of like, I think I maybe should try out. I was like, you absolutely should. You're a boy and you're awesome and you're talented and come and do our musical. And uh, he actually got cast as uh, the understudy for Albert. We understudy our principals and then we do an understudy show so they get the chance to perform. And he, um, I didn't hear this, my tech director was back there, but he like came off stage after the first number and he was like, I ever loved theater. And the, our teacher was standing right behind him. And everyone's like, turn around, turn around. And he's like, oh my gosh, man, I'm so sorry. And he's like, you just got bit. He's like, what? He's like, you just got the theater bug. And he just graduated and he's going to school for film now. So we're very excited for him. But that those moments of like when the theater, non-theater kid becomes the theater kid is the best thing ever. Or just, I... I actually have a quote board that my students made me because the things that come out of my mouth are strange. You know, you say things that like <laughs> no other teacher in the school. Um, and I repeat myself a lot. So I just start the the phrase and then my cast can finish it at that point. But a lot of really weird and funny things come out of there. Um, and then all like the the inside jokes we love to put um Easter eggs in our show. So we just did Once Upon a Mattress. And uh, when we, they pull the things at the, in the finale that were hidden in the mattress, they were all a prop from all the other musicals we've done. Because we had a our joke at our department is, um, it's the where's the shoe moment. So when something goes wrong, we call it a where's the shoe moment. And it was our understudy show of Cinderella. Someone forgot to set the shoe on the stage when she runs out and the prince goes to the stairs to get the shoe. They forgot to set it there. So our prince runs off stage with a hot mic and goes, where's the shoe for the entire audience to hear. And so that in that anytime you make a mistake, it's the where's the shoe moment or they try to throw in the phrase, where's the shoe in, in every single show. And then we went, I take eighth graders to see um, our high school invites us over to the eighth grade to go see a show. And he just graduated the kid, the where's the shoe kid. And what they're like, any questions that are talked back after? Anything about high school? Anything about the show? So one of my drama kids raised his name is like, um, are you the where's the shoe person? And the kid's like, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me. I can't <laughs> you know. And I'm like, no, dude, that is a badge of honor. They, you are a celebrity. You're the guy who said where's the shoe. So, you know, fun, silly things like that.
0: <laughs> I had a, um, I had a, a kid uh, who played Mr. Mushnick when we did Little Shop of Horrors and i always warned them i was like you have to pretend or you have to keep in your mind that your mic may always be on
1: <laughs> oh gosh
0: and uh i said because you know if they're yeah. working eight or nine different mics the, the finger may not get to yours right away so you have to be yeah it's always on and he messed up in his song and and he walked off stage and and he dropped the f-bomb <laughs> it went all through the auditorium oh. and so from then on we have we've always said do not pull a shivum. you have to assume oh. that your mic is on yep. and even when i'm gone they're still saying that don't yes. pull a shivum. so I, that's very cool
1: yeah and then we had someone the best was like uh, who farted over a mic we we're like because <laughs> <laughs> you know fart jokes are always funny
0: always always oh. so marissa what is a resource that you use that we all need to know about
1: uh, the biggest one is uh, Drama Teacher Academy. I know people on the podcast have talked about that in the Facebook group, which is really, really great. Especially if you don't have a curriculum, there's so much there. Uh, I've given them, sold them some of my stuff too. It's really nice there. Uh, but one I stumbled upon is uh, the American Theater Wing has um, videos. that they have a YouTube channel and they have jobs in the theater videos, which I did not know about. I was trying to figure out. I don't, and I don't have a theater, and it's hard to teach a tech theater unit when you don't, you can't use construction or have a theater or lights or anything. So I came across those videos and it's, uh, they're really, really great. They talk about how they got to the job that they're in. They have like lighting designers and set designers. It's, and like the, the lighting designer of Hamilton is one of them and Aladdin. So they're like, some are a little, you know, downtown obscure musicals that a lot of people don't know, but when they have the big names, the kids kind of hook into it. It's also a really good um, sub plan if you ever need that because I've just created you know a worksheet to go along with it. But it's really good because you can see theaters and New York theaters and prof- professionals, uh, especially some things that you they didn't know they didn't know were jobs. Like somebody talks about adapting scripts um, and projections, a projectionist, things like that. But that I stumbled upon that and I immediately <laughs> emailed my theater teachers and was like, guys, nice, this is great. If you need it, bookmark this page.
0: My final question for you is what are your parting words of wisdom for new teachers coming into this field?
1: So what I tell them is this, no matter what you put on the stage, the parents will love it. Your kid, it can be a tree. Your kid could sit there and do nothing, but parents are going to love it. And that when once I realized that it opened up my, a lot of stress and, a, and a lot of other things because I was an artist and thought that what was on the stage was a reflection of my art and it's educational theater. It's not a reflection of my art. You know, like I knew that as as an educator, you know, that like the tests don't tell you everything. The kid scores this because of 45,000 other factors that are happening. It doesn't tell you necessarily what they know. And I knew that, but didn't apply it to the arts and realize that if they mess up the lines, if it's not the best, if that blocking in that scene did not work or that was the wrong delivery of that line, that's not me personally being an awful artist. That's, as you said, the journey. And again, just seeing their kids up there, running a spotlight or on a headset, like the parents love to take pictures of their kids wearing our headsets, they are going to love it and the kids are gonna get some amazing experience out of it. So that's what I mind just now.
0: Well, and it's also, it's not a, a negative reflection of you as an educator either.
1: True. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and I can tell you, your, your kids are very lucky. Um, you Aww, have amazing you. energy. And I've loved talking <laughs> with you. Um,
1: yeah, so fun. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Uh,
0: thank you for reaching out. Um, yeah. if, you, if you know anyone else, please send them my way, but I I really appreciate you chatting with me and I appreciate okay. what you do with your kids. And I really hope you have an amazing restful summer.
1: (laughs) Well, I got a summer job. I got to work first. And then, you know.
0: Well, I'm just going to pretend that it's going to be amazing and restful. It's
1: going to be amazing. It's relaxing. It's wonderful.
0: (laughs) Marissa, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. This has been another really fun interview for me interviewing Marissa Brady this week. I know she was on her teacher work day after all all her students were gone. And uh, so I appreciate her taking time out to talk with me. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I want to make sure you know to check out our website, www.thedtalks.com, where you can check out all of our show transcripts, as well as the archives of all our episodes so far, as well as those resources that all the teachers have talked about on their episodes. You can subscribe to Thed Talks on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, TuneIn, and you can find us on YouTube as well. Go on there, subscribe, give us those stars by rating us, and give us a review. Also, share the podcast with any of those theater teachers or theater students that you think could benefit from what I'm doing here on the show. You can always reach out to me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to give me any feedback, make suggestions for the show, or uh, suggest a, a guest to be on the show for next season. You can find us on all your social media, on Twitter at talks, on Tumblr at fedtalks.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook at Fed Talks, on Instagram at Fed Talks Podcast, and of course our website with www.fedtalks.com. I want to thank Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman for the use of your song Magnetize. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please tell some other people about us. We we, we I love seeing the listenership grow each week so thank you for what you are doing keep doing it I hope you have a wonderful week and if you already started your summer break enjoy that time out in the sun by the pool or traveling or just sitting in your bed reading whatever whatever makes you happiest right now enjoy that time and uh, get that rest this summer for those students coming back in August we do have a couple of episodes left. There are a couple of special ones that I have I have been working on. The first one is a special Tony Awards edition that will be released the week of the Tony Awards, so you do not want to miss that episode. I have a very special guest that will be joining me on that episode, and then also after that is a special episode for Pride Season coming up. So um, for all your LGBT students, as well as those of you teachers out there who might be LGBT, um a Pride episode for you and and how we can continue to show representation and uh, incorporate diversity into our classrooms. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you have a wonderful week.